so the computer froze. Students, you have Sunday school. So if you want to hear a great message, stay. No, just kidding. <laughs> have a great time. Just kidding. I've been in ministry for 40 years. <clears throat> and throughout my life, people have... Uh, They've blessed the pastor. Four, five generations of pastors come from my family. So when I was little, we lived in a small town in Montana. And seriously, people would bring uh, unique things to us. Everything from food to money to we got a live chicken one time we didn't know what to do with to you name it. Today, this is what somebody gave me. It's an oil filter. I got to be honest with you. It's the first time in my entire ministry that anybody's ever given me an oil filter. Okay, So just thought I'd share that with you. Must mean nothing to you because nobody's laughing, so we'll just set that over here. Carter, could you hold that for me? Good thing it's the second service. I don't have to do that joke in the first service either. There's a story behind that, but uh, <clears throat> another time. It happened here in the Northwest in 2008. Two women's softball teams were uh, playing. It was the playoffs, and they were in the divisional championships. So they, they got together, and as they got together, um, there were some obvious things about both teams. Western Oregon was playing Central Washington. Western Oregon was known for their hitting. They had some great softball hitters, uh, some great gals that could hit the ball. But when it came down to it, the game was on the line. There were two runners on. There were two outs. Man, anybody watch the Yankees and the Astros last night? Incredible. You didn't see it? You guys were probably asleep by then. The guy hit a home run, a walk-off home run. It was amazing. Boy. Okay. Got no baseball fans here. All right. I got to make a note of that. I better not write that one down for the next service either. Okay. So... This girl named Sarah Tikolsky came up to bat for Western Oregon. Here's the thing about Sarah. Wasn't the greatest player in Western Oregon. In fact, didn't really play a lot during the year, but she replaced a gal who had made a bad play earlier in the game, and the coach was ticked and pulled her out. So she comes up, not a long ball hitter, not really a great hitter, two runners on, two outs, hits a home run. She is excited. I mean, she can't believe it. Starts running around the base path, and in her excitement, she misses first base, and the first base coach says, Sarah! Sarah, you got to touch first base. And so in her sprint, she turned around, popped her knee, and fell to the ground. So she's laying there, and they realize several things. In order for them to get credit for the two runners on base and her home run, she has to touch each base. So she looks at the umpire and can't move. Her, her knee is completely torn. She goes, what should I do? Umpire said, well, you can't have your players help you. There she was in need of help. I look at us today. And I see us a lot of times in our lives as people who need help. We've fallen, we've stumbled, we have come across things in our life that have taken us down, and we are left with what seems to be an impassable distance from where we are to where we need to go. The good news is we've got somebody that helps us. And this morning as we talk about uh, God gets us, we're working through the Unshakable Hope series by Max Lucado. And, and what I like about Lakato's series is it just allows us to focus in on that very fact, unshakable hope. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. <clears throat> We have a high priest who's able to understand us. It's a huge factor for me to believe in Christ, to know that, that Jesus faced everything that I faced. It's another thing for me to say, hey, you know what? He was God. He could do anything he wanted to because he was God. I'm not God. So it's not that I can do everything. That he can. I need to know that I have a high priest who is, who is sympathetic with what I'm facing. 
He knows when we fall. He knows when we struggle. He knows when we're tempted. He knows when we're discouraged. And the thing that he reminds us of is we are not forgotten. This morning, the title of our time together is God Gets You, Jesus. And because he knows and understands us, we see Jesus in four important ways. Jesus creator, you see it on the screen behind me, Jesus incarnate, Jesus king, and Jesus deliverer. In our Unshakable Hope series, knowing that God gets you and me is huge. Week one, we talked about we are stamped in his image. We are his image bearers. That's a, that comes to life to me every time I step out into the world, knowing that I'm, I bear his image. Week two, our prayers have power. When a believing person prays, great things happen, we talked about. Week three, God gives grace to the humble. Brian shared with you last week about how God humbled Nebuchadnezzar and how he just took this person who was in a position of authority and power and and humbled them just to help them see him. This morning, we want to talk about the fact that that Jesus knows who we are. Number one, Jesus creator. We've got to start there. Jesus created all things. Through him all things were made, John 1.3 says. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Why is this so important? Because we are image bearers. And because we're image bearers, we have to realize that we were created by him. And that's a faith thing. We step into the world knowing God created us. He created us for a reason. If we do not accept Jesus as our creator, we will struggle in our faith. We, by faith, have to believe that he created us. We are his image bearers. This week, I was reminded again of how I'm an image bearer, and I shared this with First Service. Please don't read anything political into this, but it was just important for me because at the time, I I had to quickly change what I did. I I went through a drive-thru, I asked for my order, and along with it came a Coke Zero for one of the people that I was getting lunch for. And when I got the window opened, the person helped me said, "Would, would you like a straw with that? Being 62 years of age, I said to him, I've never heard that question before in a drive-thru. He said, well, he said, I've saved five straws today. <laughs> to which I immediately burst out laughing. I just totally lost it. I hadn't, if, if he would have said anything, now I apologize. I know, I know about the straw crisis. I know about it. But I, I seriously, it was one of the best laughs I've had in a long time. And, and this young person is looking at me and I realized, you're an image bearer, John. You're an image bearer. You got it. So I just quickly said, well, I still need my straw. When we're in the world, one of the things we have to remember, seriously, that, that, was, uh, that was hilarious to me. When we're in the world, we, uh, we got to remember that people might not see things exactly like we do. But as we live for Christ, we're his image bearer, we got to kind of relate to where they are. So it was a great reminder for me, and it was just something for me. Colossians 1, 15 and 16 says this, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. If you're a straw person, come back next week. I won't talk about that. Please come back. We understand who we are as we see Jesus, the creator, sent to earth. In our series this morning, as I understand what God tells me about unshakable hope, what I want you to catch is that sometimes we just forget that that hope is available for us. And as we forget it, we just slide into a comfortable routine where we realize that we just seem to do the same things over and over. We struggle with the same things. We we don't. And then he says to us, God says to us, I loved you so much that I want you to understand Jesus incarnate, what it means. Jesus, God's son, point two, came to earth in the form of a baby. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Quick review of Christ's birth. 
Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and was born to a virgin named Mary. I think all of us know that. Luke 1.35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We're approaching another great Christmas season. Isn't that amazing? It's, I already see the decorations coming up. Where no doubt we will be reminded of the simple way that God's Son came to the world. He came to the world without sin. Mary was not pregnant from a human and so did not have sin in her, and you know that. And, and she was, he was born into the family of Mary and Joseph and lived like a normal young man. The incarnation, kind of a funny thing I saw in the dictionary, says this. In Christian theology, the incarnation is the belief that Jesus Christ became flesh, is the belief that Jesus Christ became flesh, assumed a human nature, and became a man. Here's what's funny to me. That's not a belief, and that's not an assumption. That's the truth. And we've got proof for it. So for the, even the dictionary to say, hey, in the Christian theology, there's this assumption that's made no. We live according to Jesus who was incarnate, who came in the form of a human to help us. How serious do you take your faith this morning? Is it enough to prioritize your life, to glorify Him, and to live for Him, and to share Him with others? Is that your priority? And as it is, and yes, it needs to be a point-blank question, it begins to reflect who Jesus is in our lives. We begin, people begin to see that we believe what He said. We believe that what He said He did, He did. And then he did it for us. Number three, Jesus King. He's our King and Lord. Matthew 28, verses 17 and 18. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We worship and respect Jesus because of not only who he is, but because of his loving sacrifice for us. How's your worship? How's your quiet time alone with Christ the King? Is it consistent? Is it impactful? You'll know if your worship is a priority every day. You need to allow time in your schedule to simply worship Him through reading and meditating on His Word, spending quality time in prayer. Session two, your prayer has power. God's challenging me in this area of making sure that I remember as I pray, He, he, he gives me power as I bring my request to Him. What, what, what requests do you carry daily? things that, that you have with you that, that every time you pray, it's just kind of an automatic. You pray for so-and-so, you, and you begin to go through all these things because they mean something to you. And I want you to be reminded today in this area of unshakable hope, your prayers have power. And as you seek his answer, he's going to answer you. So if you're, if you're discouraged today, if you're lost, if you are struggling, he's with you. He gets you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Number four, Jesus, deliverer. We draw near to Jesus to find help. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus knows exactly when we need it, what we need, and how we need it. At this point, as I was work, kind of reviewing through my sermon, I had another Star, Starbucks experience. And if you've ever been a part of my ministry for the last 14 years, first of all, you know I don't drink coffee. I drink hot chocolate. And a lady told me first service, she said, they're new. She said, I know we found the right church because I drink hot chocolate too. She goes, and I go to Starbucks. So there you go. I got new, we got new people in our church. I, I, and the sad thing about, about Starbucks, which has nothing to do with my message, but I'm going to tell you anyway, you got to tell them to put it extra hot. Otherwise, it's for little kids. You just, it's just terrible. A little known information that you didn't need today. 
If you see me at Starbucks, don't sit by me. I'm just going to tell you right now. Because here's what happens when I go to Starbucks. I was working through, I had four things I needed to get done. I was sitting in the Wilsonville Starbucks yesterday, and as I'm there, first of all, you notice that Starbucks puts their tables about this close together. So you're right on top of everybody. So I had people to my right and people to my left. I could have easily eaten this guy's scone. It looked pretty good because I could have just had to reach right there. Could have had a drink of this gal something because it was right there by me. This guy had the most unique medical I've ever heard of in my life. I don't know even, I mean, seriously, he began to describe it, and I'm sitting here, and I, and I actually was working through a message right then, and I thought, this poor guy needs a deliverer. He's just sharing with these people all these, this, this illness and what's going on and the symptoms and all these things. And, and literally, the two people at his table were just, their jaws were like. I turn here. Again, I don't have to go very far. It's just right here. And, and these two are talking about amazing family problems, just all these things going on. And I thought, you know what? It, wouldn't have, it would have been hilarious if I had just stood up right there and said, uh, just before I take an offering as a pastor, I'd like to tell you about Jesus the Deliverer. No, I, I couldn't really do that, either of them got to get the humor about taking the offering. That's what everybody thinks we do. But what I did, did remind myself of is this unshakable hope that we have in God needs to be a reflection of our lives everywhere we go. And to listen to these, I mean, my heart went out to them. They, they left before I was done, and they walked out the door. And I remember when I was in college, I took a class from Richard Foster, and we t he talked about flash praying. And that was always something that stuck with me. And I just said a real quick flash prayer for those individuals as they left. Lord, bless them. Bring them deliverance. Give them a chance to... Uh, to see you in their lives in some way. And so there we were. Now, as I said once before, don't sit by me at Starbucks because you'll know I'll listen. Max Lucado says it this way. I put it on the screen. Are you troubled in spirit? He was too. Are you so anxious you could die? He was too. Are you overwhelmed with grief? He was too. Have you ever prayed with loud cries and tears? He did too. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We draw near to Jesus to find help. It happens all the time in my life, sometimes in the strangest ways. He helps me with patience. And here's the one I want to share with you. And I've got a police officer sitting here in the congregation this morning, and uh, he's going to understand when I, when I talk about these two things. On my way to Sisters last week, went and did a wedding, had a great time with a family that used to be in our youth group. It was a really fun time. That's where I was last Sunday. Have you ever driven behind somebody on a two-lane highway and you see the sign that says, passing lane one mile? And you're going 40 miles an hour behind this person. When you hit the passing lane, they go to 65. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? The two lanes, fine. Go, go a little fast. 40 to see. Well, okay. So the third time I go through the third passing lane, I said to Cheryl, I'm getting this guy. Any young people in the audience, don't listen. I went 85. It took me 85 miles an hour to get the guy. And I only have a Honda. I have a Kia Soul, rather. You know, I'm, I'm a soul man. So I'm flying around this guy. I get in there, and I look in my rear view. As soon as we hit the two lanes, he slows down again. It makes no sense to me. But why, is this, why am I saying this? Because what God can deliver me from is not having patience. I need to just go, okay, I'm going to get there. Fine. I got no agenda. You know the other thing I thought about? And this one is for you, Mike. What do you do every time... You're driving down the road, and you see a policeman or a highway patrol. What's the first thing you do? You hit your brakes. Doesn't matter if you're going 40 miles an hour in a 55 zone or, you know, if you're going 85, you might want to hit your brakes. Sorry about that. But isn't that weird? It's like we know we need to deliver. We know we're doing things wrong. And so here we are, and it's like, okay, Lord, you're going to deliver me, and thank you for being a part of my life. Jesus, the deliverer, he's the creator, and it takes faith for us to believe in him. 
because that's a huge starting point to know that, that I was created by him. I was created in his image. Incarnate was a fact. He came to earth in the form of a baby, in the human form, and he lived amongst us. He walked among us. He acted like us in the sense of he literally was in a family and he did the things a normal family would do. He's the king. He's the king. He, he is fit of our worship. He's worthy of our worship. And, and again, it's one of those things where we had great worship again today and, and it's just the opportunity to sense God speaking to us. Where else can you go unless you go to a concert where people just lead singing and it draws you to, to have these emotions towards God? I mean, I go to concerts. I watch concerts on on TV, and they know all the words that people are singing along. But we're singing today in worship, and it's about the king. It's about the truth. And, and so it has to fix. Maybe you're not a singer, but as I look at that this morning, it's fun to be able to just sense his presence. Then we see Jesus as the deliverer. He's the deliverer. Some of you this morning are struggling with the need to be delivered. You're either set in a sin or a situation or an almost impossible situation, and you are crying out to God for deliverance. And I'm standing in front of you this morning that's saying in the unshakable hope that God promises us he can deliver us. And I don't just say that because it just rolls off the tongue and it sounds good. I want you to go home and say, wow, that was a good point. I, I say that this morning because it's true. So if you're here today and you are really working through some difficult things and, and you know the answers, my challenge to you, as it is to myself daily, is let Jesus be your deliverer. You've got to be open. You've got to say, here I am standing before you, God. Here's who I am, and, and here's all the things. And that still small voice of the Holy Spirit will say, you know what? There's things in your life that I want to work in and work through and take out and lift up and, and actually magnify. And as I do that, I'll have the chance just to see him be such a part of my life. But he wants to, and he's willing to, deliver us today. Are you willing to let him? <clears throat> One of my favorite passages of Scripture comes from Hebrews 12. And Paul is writing to a group of Christians, and he's just trying to share with them, <coughs> excuse me, so many different uh, areas and ways to understand who Christ is. So I took these three verses this morning and I broke them into to four areas that I want to kind of use in a way to challenge you as we wrap up our time together. The first one is found in verse 1, and it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I called them friends. There are people that have gone before us that have experienced exactly the same things that we, we struggle with, that have experienced exactly the same doubts we had, the same temptations. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, many others have faced exactly the same temptation as you and I have. And so we see this first aspect this morning out of Hebrews 12, and we realize that there are people around us that either have gone to heaven or who are older than us, who have lived through it, and we have a group of people that, that we can rely on to not get so discouraged in our lives that we say, I, I can't make it. I can't do it. I know that seems very basic to you, but sometimes I find even in my life, I get to a point where all I can focus on is, are the negative things that are happening around me. And as I focus on them, it just, it kind of directs and it affects who I am to everybody I talk to. And I don't want to do that. It's not that I want to be this super crazy, woo kind of guy, but on the other hand, the joy of the Lord needs to be evident because he is available for me. He will deliver me from the things that I face. He then goes on in that passage to say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Called that freedom. He gives us freedom. Oh man, this this passage is rich with all kinds of stuff, but the thing that stands out to me about this particular area are several things. One, every one of us has a race marked out before us. You've, You've studied this passage before. You've heard it a number of times in messages. We all have a race that's marked out before us, and all of our races are different. So as we have that race, he says to us, the best way to run that race is to throw off everything that so easily doth entangle us. For two years, Aaron and I had this little, our youth pastor had a kind of a running thing about it. He'd always tease me, well, you know, it's gonna easily, it easily entangles us. You know, that's sin, because I, I like that passage. And he was doing it just in a way to kind of be good-natured. And I used the, the illustration, and some of you are going to remember this, and my wife's not here today, so I can use it, because she goes, well, John, you already told that illustration. Because I always see sin with uh, these bolos. You know what a bolo is? It's got the little balls on the end, and the, guy, the cowboys would throw it, and they'd wrap it around your legs, and it would knock you over. That's entanglement right there. So I always see that what God's telling me to do, either he's going to give me a scissors to cut it off so I'm no longer entangled, or there's a way I'm going to just escape so I can be free. What, what's hindering you today? What, what's so easily entangling you today? Is it something that you know your entire life God has given you the ability to be delivered from, to be able to run and to follow through on that course that, the, that God's given you in a free way? Or are you willing to just to be entangled and, and to make a little bit of progress and then just go, you know what, i, I got to give in. I can't really do it. And God's saying to you and me, hey, you can throw off everything that hinders and you can run with perseverance the race marked before you. Isn't it interesting that Paul tells us in God's word what the world tells us all the time? Everybody has a race to run. We have the ability to run it with the freedom that we get in Christ. My prayer from this point this morning is that you will, through the pre- the the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, realize that there are some things that he wants to do for you. The last part of this is, actually there's two more. One of them, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We call that focus. It takes a focus. And there are so many ways this morning we can talk about focus. Ways that that it brings it into ourselves. We start looking at ourselves and worrying about everything that's going on in our life, and he gives us the simple ability and says, let let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If we had time this morning, some of you could share with us incredible ways that God lifted your focus back up, began to help you see the importance of focusing on him rather than on yourselves, having the ability to to reach out and help people in, in all kinds of ways because your focus is different. So we have friends that can encourage us because they've been through things. He gives us the ability to experience freedom in a way that that sometimes we forget about, and then he tells us that that our focus needs to be on him. It's really simple this morning. The focus comes from where we set our priorities, and as we set our priorities on him, we begin to focus on him, and then we see what's going on in our lives, our reactions, our habits, uh, the relationships we have all begin to reflect him. Our family begins to see it, they continue to see it, and they begin to realize that there's this important aspect of what he gives us. He finishes this passage this morning by saying this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Called that fortitude. Maybe that's what some of you need to hear today. You need to realize that, that it's, it's going to take fortitude. You've got to push through. There's, there's just certain things. Parents, your kids go through all these ages and stages, and you realize at some point you're going, I don't know if I can make it through this stage, and yet God gives you the, the fortitude and the ability. He, he endured all kinds of things. You can just reach through it. 
Let me just challenge you this morning to pray for our children and our youth in a very powerful way. Because as they're facing things, even talking with teachers in the last week and even today, the things that, that our educational system is saying to our teachers and to our students, a lot of times points them away from the will of God. We got to pray for them, man. We got to pray for them. It, it, it's so different than when I was a kid. Oh my goodness, I was a youth pastor for 21 years. You know what, my, you know what entertained my youth group? I get this. I could put 100 kids in a room and bring my guitar, and we'd sing some songs, talk a little bit, play a game of Pictionary, and they loved it. Oh my gosh. I'd bring my guitar, and they'd go, no. Nope. And they'll go, what's Pictionary? Where's my, where's my phone? Where's my uh, game I'm going to play? Where's my, you know, and, and it, it has changed. So what do we do as, as members of God's family? We pray, and we surround them with his love, and we say, it's not that we're going to go, you can't do this. We begin to understand them. We begin to listen. It, it's near to my heart, near and dear, because I just see, I love youth. I love to see them. They are shapeable. They have the ability to change our world, and Jesus in them delivers them from what they're facing and gives them a chance to, to make a difference. Oh, by the way, probably forgot, thought I forgot about Sarah. You know, I'm getting a little older. Back to Sarah, the softball player that was laying in the middle of the first and second base path. Here's what happened. As she was sitting there, the first baseman from Central Oregon said to the umpire, hey, would it be okay if I picked her up and carried her around the bases to let these runs be accounted for? So the umpires looked at each other and they said, sure, go ahead. So the shortstop and the first baseman picked her up, took her to first base, she took her good leg and touched first. They carried her to second, she touched second, they carried her to third, she touched third. And when she got home, she touched home, and three runs were accounted for, and their team lost. Jesus is right there when we need him. He's willing to say, you know what, you've, you've fallen, you've struggled, I'm willing to pick you up, I'm available to carry you through whatever you're facing. So you know what, this morning as I finish let me just remind you that God loves you. And he's got the exact thing that he needs, that you need from him to make it through whatever you are facing. Whether it's family issues, marriage issues, health issues, financial issues, work issues. Whatever you find yourself in the middle of, God is available to carry you through. Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for who you are uh, in each of us. And I pray that, that, Holy Spirit, you would just continue to work in our midst as we finish our time together and just remind us of the, the areas that, man, you want to work in the most in and through us. Thanks for the truth of your word. Thank you for the, the promises that you give us. Thank you for the simple fact that you get us, Jesus. And for that, we're grateful. It's in your great name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we... Get ready to head out the door this morning as we sing this song again of worship to the Lord. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow.
the fire inside my veins, the echo of my days. Oh, see, you are good. You are good. Oh, you are good. Oh, you are good. Is uh, the first one is to find Christ. If you don't know Jesus, if you ever heard anybody ask you, would you like to know Jesus as your personal Savior? Take care of that today. Ask him into your heart. He'll forgive your sins. He'll come into your life. He'll begin to change your priorities. He'll come alongside you. He'll love you, and he will forgive you. So that's the first group this morning. And if that happens to you, find one of us afterwards and say, you know what, the Lord just is talking to me about accepting Christ. There's great material on the eye table. Take it with you and read through. There's a second group that I want to challenge this morning, and it's in this way. I want to challenge you to return to Christ found him, you walked with him, you've kind of settled into a routine that just doesn't allow him to be first in your life, so I want to challenge you to return to Christ today. And again, find somebody today. Share with them the good news. Say, hey, this is what God revealed to me, and this is how I'm returning. And then there's a third group, and, 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 and that's probably for all of us that's when we've made these decisions. I want to challenge you to grow in Christ. If you're sitting here today, and you're struggling with the exact same things you struggled with last week, and the week before, and the year before, and the year before, then you need to be reminded of that unshakable hope that he gives to you and me so we can grow in our relationship with him. I could take hours to tell you how to do that. We've got small groups. We've got Bible studies. There's ways you can find. There's, I hate to tell you this, but there's great stuff online. Way better than me. You grow in Christ, and you'll begin to see him work and work and work. And some of the things that you struggled with will be, you'll be free from. They entangled you. They're gone. Find Christ. Return to Christ. Lord, I just pray today as we leave that you would, Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us. That you would fill us with your love, fill us with your passion, fill us with your desire. And Lord, as you change us, change those around us. Thanks, Father. Thanks for giving us that hope. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.